I, I gotta tell you, Brother Dwayne, that was absolutely wonderful worship this morning. I, the choir, the orchestra, everybody, and, and the voices that I heard come from the congregation. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, it's wonderful, wonderful. Amen. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> I, I tell you, I was so blessed as, uh, as this service began. Uh, I told a couple people, I woke up about every half hour last night. Is it time to get up yet? Time to get up. I'm just excited. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. As you're finding that, um, I want to just read some other passages of Scripture that have to do with our message today on unity in the community. Um, passages like Psalm 133, where it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. I, I tell you, uh, as, as we came together today, I, I saw that verse 1 come into reality. How good and how pleasant it was for us to come together. And then in Amos chapter 3, in verse 3, he says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? What a wonderful verse. How can we walk together unless we have agreed? And, and we walk together as we agree. It's a verse of unity. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they are a good reward for their toil. I saw that yesterday. Y'all who came out here for this work day, there, there were people milling around everywhere. Got a lot of work done. Church looks beautiful. Inside and outside the work was done. And, and it was just that verse right there. Two are better than one because there's good reward for their toil. Verse 10, if they, for if they fall, one will lift up the fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. I think that's where they got that um, commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up, you know. Um, <laughs> Verse 11, again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? For though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will, will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Uh, and, and the other one is, I want you to hear a prayer from Jesus um, just before he was um, uh, betrayed, before he was crucified. He begins in, in John chapter 17 and verse 11. He's praying to God. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Talking about his disciples. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And then in verse 20. I do not ask, same prayer, it's still the same prayer. He said, I do not ask for these only, but for also those who believe in their word, through their word. That means us. Jesus looking ahead to 2023, and, and he sees us. So he's praying for us that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. 
reading these verses, it tells me that God places the highest value on unity. There is complete unity in the Godhead. Jesus said that over and over again. I am in you. You are in me. We're, we're all together. We're one. And when God's people come together in unity, having a common vision, having a common goal, it is a beautiful and powerful thing. And my deepest prayer for our church is that we become a church unified. Now, unity may be the most obvious missing ingredient, but I'm not going to tell you what we do have. Here at First Baptist Church, Madisonville, um, we have some very important things that become a mighty force for God when we come together and we work together and we allow God to use them. Number one, and the most important thing, is we have God on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? God's rooting for us. God is, God is praying for us. Jesus is, is at the right hand of God the Father right now praying for us. We also have a great piece of property in an ideal location right here in downtown where we can be very effective in, in ministering. We have a great facility. Again, all the people out here yesterday made it, and that's what has made it so great all these years. We have some hardworking and dedicated staff, and I appreciate them and all the things that they do. Um, you won't believe all the, the work that, that they have um, been doing in the last couple of months. And we're just blessed to have them. We're also blessed to have an unlimited potential. The fields are white to harvest. There are a lot of lost people in Madisonville and in Hopkins County that we are called to reach. And First Baptist Church is filled with a lot of workers. Again, I saw that this week. And... We have a lot of people. We have a, a huge supply of energy. People wanting to meet needs. Had a lady come up to me just, just yesterday and, and something that was dear on my heart and said, well, what, we can get a group together. We'll come out here every week and we'll, we'll get that done. Praise the Lord. So many things just fell into place in an instant because of people who, who love to do work for the Lord. And First Baptist Church, this is the last thing. First Baptist Church, Madisonville is a loving church. This is a church where everybody has a second chance. Just like Jesus gives second chances, this church loves people. If you found Romans chapter 12, I'm going to invite you to stand with me just for a moment as we read verses 16 through 18 as our text. Romans chapter 12, verses 16 through 18. The word of God says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, high-minded, you know, that kind of thing, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful truths out of your law. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we praise you. And I pray today that we would hear your word treasure it in our heart and god we will go from this place change people and i pray it in jesus name amen you may be seated the first thing i learned when i went into the military is this subject of unity the first thing they taught us in boot camp was how to work together as a unit which is a byword of the word unity and to do that they had us do crazy things now, one of the first things I learned before I went into the military, I had a stepfather who was in the Navy, and he told me, he said, never volunteer. 
Never. Never volunteered. One day our drill instructor came and said, who here has a driver's license? Three guys, boy, they put up their hand. They shot up their hand. And they said, great, go down there and check out three wheelbarrows. You'll be driving them all day. <laughs> the rest of you go get shovels, and I want you to dig me a hole right here. And I want you to put the dirt, and it was about 50 yards away. Those guys had to, had to drive that dirt back and forth. Four hours later, we didn't know how big of a hole. We didn't know. We just decided we're going to start digging, and we had people set up to do it. And uh, we got four hours into it. The drill instructor comes, and he starts yelling at us. What are you doing digging a hole in my yard? Go and get that dirt and put it back in that hole. I tell you what, we were unified that day in. We did not like our drill instructor. All of us, every one of us. Unity is an important part of life. In, in, in the military, yes, but in family, in churches, at work. I got to tell you this story. Former pastor, Eric Daniel Harris, was 37 in 1996 when he pled guilty to the November arson that burned down his church in Saline County, Arkansas. Now, according to the federal prosecutor, Harris said he did it because, and I quote here, there was a division among church members, so they needed a project to unify them. <laughs> well, that former, and I have to emphasize, former pastor was trying to achieve was to see his church working together, cooperating, striving in harmony. Now, that was a horrible way of going about achieving unity, but it tells us what we need to be unified. We need to be working together. Beloved, a lack of unity is going to kill a church. It is going to stop our mission. So what's so hard about getting along? Why do we not get along together? I'm going, to, I'm going to share another story with you that's going to really explain it. Here was a man marooned on an island by himself for five years. After five years, the rescuers in a passing ship came by, and, and they came to the island, and, and they, they were talking to him. They saw three buildings, and they said, well, could you tell us about these three buildings? He said, sure, the one on the right there, that's my home. That's where I live, I eat, I sleep. I do all my daily chores out of that house. He said, the second one, that's my church. That's where I go to worship and I, I have fellowship with God. I said, well, what about that third building? He goes, oh, that was my first church, but I couldn't get along with the people there. <laughs> you know, the story is kind of funny but ridiculous, but it tells the truth. You know why we can't get along with each other? It's not because of the guy behind you or on the other side of the church. It's right here. We can't get along with each other because of our own problems, our own uh, issues. This sort of infighting, this bickering that keeps us from being effective is what's going to keep us from doing the work of the kingdom of God. So I want to share with you, first of all, this morning, the importance of unity. Unity is important. The Apostle Paul in our text is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he commands us to practice unity. Again, verse 16 says, Be of the same mind toward one another. And then in verse 18, he expands on that. At the end, he says, Be at peace with all men. Now, I like the King James Version of that verse. It says, As much as is possible, be at peace with all men. 
Now, Paul tells us twice in this text that we are to be unified. So why is that so important? Well, it's because rivalries and disagreements among members are destructive. Disunity damages the goodwill, the trust, the peace of a church, of a family, of a work. And those are the things that are fundamental elements of good human relations. Disharmony hampers our progress toward the goal that we have. Our goal is to glorify God. Our goal is to fulfill the Great Commission, to go into all the world and, and convert people to be believers in Jesus Christ. When we are at odds with our brother, we become self-centered. That's the problem. We're self-centered rather than love-centered. How we act is a reflection of our relationship with the Father. Let me say it again. How we act is a reflection of our relationship with God. The Bible says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Our behavior in our everyday action tells the world what God is like. We are a walking sermon. We are sometimes the only Bible anybody's ever going to read is going to be your life. Where you work, where you live, the people you interact with, they're going to either see Jesus in you or they're not. And we, if we're not unified, we do a disservice to God by betraying a negative and erroneous picture of who God truly is. So unity is necessary for the growth of the church. But it's difficult for the church to survive the slings of the enemy. But impossible if we misidentify who the enemy really is. The Bible tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means not, it's not a person. It's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's not your children, it's not the pastor, it's not the deacon. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. These are demonic, satanic powers that are trying to get in to bring division so that we cannot do the role that God has called us to do. Beloved, your brother is not the enemy, and we need to remember that. Andrew Jackson, before he became president, he was a major general in the Tennessee militia. And uh, during the War of 1812, his troops were at an all-time low in their morale. And they were, they were fighting, bickering, arguing with themselves. And, and it's reported that Jackson pulled his troops together and he made a quick little speech. It was simple. It said, gentlemen, the enemy are over there, pointing toward the enemy camp. What an appropriate word for the church today. Some Christians behave as though their fellow believers are the enemy. And they're not the enemy. Let's remember who our enemy really is. The enemy is that principalities of powers of rulers. And, and the devil is very cunning. He, he really knows how to get your goat. We need to stop the infighting. We need to pull together. We need to support one another. We need to believe in one another. It's time for us to care for one another and pray for one another. Unity is important. And secondly, I want to answer the question, what exactly is unity? If it's so important, 
What is it? What does unity look like? Well, I'll tell you one thing it's not. Unity does not mean that we will not have disagreements. We will. You can still have disagreements in unity. It does not mean that everyone is going to always agree because that's not going to happen. Not in this church, not anywhere. Not in any business, not in any home. One comedian put it this way, it's okay to disagree, just do it disagreeably. I mean, do it agreeably. <laughs> Thank you. We can agree to disagree, he said, until the Lord shows you that I was right. <laughs> now, that's where you were supposed to laugh, not because I messed up. Unity, unity is what occurs when we handle our disagreements with love. It, it means looking for compromise, looking for common ground. It, it means listening, seeking the will of God above my own will. It means looking for solutions to conflicts rather than causing conflicts. It means admitting sometimes, I mean just once in a while, I might be wrong. Once in a while. All the wives laughed at that. They know that's what their husbands say, yeah. I'm not wrong very often. Verse 17 of our text tells us, Repay no evil for evil, but listen to this, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That's how we have unity. We're to give thought, think about, and to do what is honorable in the sight of all. I'd say that's a good way to sum up unity. Unity is respect. It is respect for God. It is respect for your fellow believers. It is respect for your spouse. It is respect for your children. It means acknowledging their worth in your eyes because they're created in the image of God just like you are. Legendary football coach Vince Lombardi was talking to some other coaches about having a winning team. This is what he said. He said, there are a lot of coaches with good ball clubs that have the fundamentals and they have plenty of discipline, but they still don't win the game because they've missed the third ingredient. If you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. You have to love one another. Each player, he said, has to be thinking about the next guy saying to himself, if I don't block that man, Paul is going to have his legs broken. I have got to do my job so that he can do his job. And the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling these guys have for each other. Oh, beloved, there's so much wisdom in what he had to say. We need to be thinking of the other guy, thinking about what's best for the team, thinking about what's going to bring glory and honor to God. So how do we achieve this unity? That is so important. How do we achieve it? We've identified what unity means, but how do we get it? We got to work at it. Yeah, we got to work on it. The answer to the question is how do we attain unity? Work, work, work. We've got to work at it, strive at it. Achieving peace and unity is not easy. Harmony is not natural to mankind just go back to the garden when man sinned god came into the garden he said adam what happened he said that was the woman the woman said it was the serpent we we can't get along 
It's been that way from the beginning. We have to study peace. Meditate on unity. We have to work at it. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14, just a couple pages away from where we were. Verse 19, Romans chapter 14, verse 19. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual building. So then, let us pursue. See that word pursue? That's highlighted in my Bible. You need to underline it because that word, is, it's not well translated. There's not an accurate, uh, adequate translation in any of the, the Bibles that I, I studied for this. One said follow after. One said aim for. But the full meaning is that we have to pursue with a vengeance. Pursue with a vengeance. Follow at all costs. In other words, shoot for the stars and kick a little harder. Pursue what makes peace. Pursue those things that build each other up. Now, there's, there's a second thing that goes along with this, and this is really how do we do that. Um, uh, we can only achieve unity when we guard our mouth. We have to guard the words that we say. A sharp tongue does not do any good for anybody. It, it just hurts the unity of the fellowship. It hurts the people around it, not just the ones that it's directed at. People who hear it or hear of it are hurt. James said, and I love James chapter 1, verse 19, he said, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Say, so how am I going to remember that? Just look in the mirror. God created with two ears, one mouth. Just remember it that way. I, I need to listen more than I talk. Husbands and wives, this is a great way to improve your marriage. You, you need to listen. Listen. And not just listen to the words, listen to the heart. We need to hear each other out. We need to take this to heart. It does us no good to say things that hurt our brother. Even if they are true, it doesn't help to say it. If they are true, we are to greet that brother in love, gently show him the error of his ways. There was a, a man in the Bible who was a great orator, but he wasn't preaching the truth. And the man of God took him aside to teach him gently. That's what we are to do. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we voted to have this service, and it's wonderful. My heart is just, uh, is just beating so fast today. I, I am just so pleased in what happened. When we voted, the vote was a little bit over 80%, and that's a good majority. But I, I, what I'd like to see us do today, um, and remember, unity doesn't mean we all agree, but it should help us to agree to disagree. What I would like us to do as we move on I would like to see a 100% vote that we would all agree that this is God's will for First Baptist Church. This is what we're going to work for. This is what we're going to work at. This is what we're going to strive for. We're going to pray for. And I thought, well, how, how might we do this? 
And I thought about having another ballot like we did with the first one, or, or I could have everybody stand up who's in favor and see if we have a 100% vote, or even to call everybody down here to the front and, and uh, say, if you feel this way, join me here at the front. But I think the Lord led me in a totally different way. Let's just live out our unity. Every day, live out our unity. That means that when we leave here, we go out of here saying God was in that place. Boy, the worship was wonderful. The people were great. It was wonderful to see all the people from the other service now that we're all together. This is the first step in our unity, beloved. Let's go out of here with our words and with our actions every day saying, I vote yes. I vote for the glory of God. I vote for unity. Let's start working together for that single purpose, the glory of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful time in the life of our church. God, it's just a, a confirmation that it was the will of God. And I, I praise you and thank you for the, the singing, the worship. And I, I, I know that it was all just done to honor you. But God, it lifted my spirit beyond anything I could think of. So God, as we continue on beginning this day, I pray for our church that we would have unity, that we would all learn to, to strive for, to attain, to pursue with a vengeance, peace in our church to build each other up. And God, we will be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, the glory for what you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, we're going to have an invitation. I want to invite you to come and pray like we have been doing. Our 40 days of prayer is over, and I hope you just...